So I have the privilege here to start this new series or this three-week series on marriage. Now, I have the privilege of being married now for, to Eileen for some, I think this year will be 36 years. Uh, you should be clapping Eileen, not me. <laughs> That's the truth. You know, as I say, anybody can stay with me that long, they must be good. Or sometimes I put it the other way, she couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> However, over the three weeks, we're going to just look at the marriage, God's design for marriage. I have been reading through this wonderful book here by Timothy Keller, The Meaning of Marriage. And if you want to get more details, because we're not going to be able to cover it in three weeks, I'll tell you that now. However, what we hope is that going through the three weeks, it will encourage you and inspire you to, to get hold of the book, to, to read it and to study it, and maybe in your connect groups talk about these issues. We've got, Mamana calls them the, the pre-marriage, not the pre-marriage, the marriage connect groups, that's it. We've got the marriage connect group starting, so there's something that you could actually look at in a little bit more detail. So I would highly recommend that if you go to the shop, the bookshop, then you should be able to get a copy. So i just like that, promote that to you. So let's get into this. And I'm going to pray first because I think we need God's help all the time. And with this series, I think it's an important series. We're going to ask God's blessing upon it. And we ask that God would open the eyes of our hearts. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that every family that names names its name comes from you. You designed marriage. You designed a man and a woman, that they would come together in covenant relationship. And Lord, we ask you now that as we look at this together as your people, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see things from your perspective. Lord, that you would give us revelation as to what the purpose of marriage is. You might reveal to us that this is a form of expressing what you are like. Lord, did you help me? Would you help us together as we journey across these three weeks? So when we come out the other end, we would have a clear perspective on what you think marriage is and how we, as your people, can demonstrate it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, here we go then. We're going to look at, as I said, marriage. And if the title of the series would be called Marriage, God's Design. And the first section is going to be called The Covenant of Marriage. And this is what I want to say to you. As followers of Jesus in a Western culture that is very much influenced by the concepts and ideas that are best what we call secular humanism. We need to be able to clearly state what the Bible teaches about the covenant of marriage. See, our lack of clarity as the church leaves us vulnerable to what popular culture defines as marriage. Therefore, we all have a responsibility as followers of Jesus, in what we call a pluralistic, democratic society, to clearly enunciate what the Bible teaches about the covenant of marriage. You see, if we don't speak up, 
then someone else will fill the gap. And what's happened in our society is that we've backed up because we're afraid and we don't want to offend people, but we've backed up and that's left a space for other people to define it. But you see, at the moment, we have the freedom as the people of God to clearly enunciate what we believe the Bible teaches about marriage without a sense of embarrassment. So what I hope this morning and over the next three weeks is that you will leave here with a clear confidence of what the Bible teaches about marriage and you won't be embarrassed about enunciating that to your friends. But you'll do it with meekness. You'll do it with gentleness. You won't do it with arrogance. So over the next three weeks, we will consider first the covenant of marriage. And then we'll look at the commitment of marriage. And we've got wonderful Wendy Housen who's going to come up and do that. And then I'll tail the series off with the communion of marriage. So that's our three series there. So you've got it there. So please don't miss it. And not because of me, but I think there's going to be beneficial. All right, let's get into it. Let's go to our main text here, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in, in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is God's word. Amen. So let's just look at the first verse because I'm going to just unpack it. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We as human beings are the pinnacle of God's creation. After six days of creating, God decided, hmm, decided, okay, let us make the pinnacle of creation. So he created man and woman. Now, here's the key thing. He created us in the image of God. Now, you know, I was thinking about that. Well, what does that mean? Got a little bit of help on this. What you've got to imagine is that God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're a community. And when he decided to make us as human beings, men and women, he created us in his image. So what we have is the Trinity. And in the Trinity, we, there is, it's majestic. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Holy Spirit. It's the, in the Trinity, they're full of grace towards each other. They are kind. They are lovers of justice, longing to see each other blessed. They're created, and as they are created and working together, they, you see intimacy. You see relationship all with each other. So within the Trinity, this, there's this wonderful community going on. I'm not used to seeing this piano here. <laughs> Hello. 
I wish. <laughs> We're not used to, so if we could see the Trinity, you would see this wonderful community, this sweet fellowship, this supporting, this edification, this mutuality. And they're enjoying it so much, I, I, you know, I get how I look at the text, I think God says, hmm, why don't we make man and woman, and why don't we recreate that in them? Why don't we recreate what we're like in a man and a woman? And we'll give them authority to call, to name things. And you know, you know, Adam came and he named all the animals. He kind of looked at the hippopotamus and said, hmm, yes. <laughs> and then, I'll tell you what, we'll create them and they, they us, will become co-workers with us. And what will happen, we'll get, we, they'll use their free will to partner, as it were, in the family business. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. We then, as men and women, are created to what? Demonstrate the image of the Trinity. We are a microcosm of what God is like. That was God's plan. His plan was, he was so, they had such good fellowship, he wanted to share it. And he created us so that we could demonstrate it. So just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit live together in complementarity, blessing, loving, and supporting one another, so in the covenant of marriage, when a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh, living together, being made for each other and from each other, ensuring the equality, the mutuality, and their intimate relationship with God themselves and each other. This is community. And I imagine what it was like in the garden when God would walk in the cool of the day before the fall. They, the Adam and Eve and God would just, it would be sweet. There would be transparency, there would be openness, there would be vulnerability, there'd be complementarity because the man and woman were working together and they were working together with each other and with God. It was sweet. Yeah. It was sweet. To use a Jamaican vernacular. <laughs> so God says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Therefore, through the covenant of marriage, our mission is to spread the image of God like a virus across the earth. That was God's original plan. He says, look, this is so good. Now that we've actually created you, and now that you are, have the image of God in us, what I want you to do now is spread this across the earth. You know, everybody says, you know, you know fruitful to multiply. Yes, of course, they were going to have lots of children. But the idea was that we're going to spread more than just human beings. That very character, the very image of God would be demonstrated across the whole earth. So what was in the garden would move out across the earth like a virus. That was God's original plan. And in that, 
We were supposed to exercise God-given authority. We, were to, we had the same creative potential to speak into being the things that are not, although they already exist. God put it within us. We were to be in this tripartite, that's good, isn't it? Tripartite relationship, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We were blessed to have a life with a mission in an ideal environment where we can thrive and live our lives in open relationship with the Trinity. That was the plan. We take, and we take our rightful place as glorious creatures dependent on our creator. As Psalm 103 put it, the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his sheep and the sheep of his pasture. If you're a follower of Jesus, that means that the Lord is God, that we didn't make ourselves, he made us, we are the sheep of his pasture. Humanists will put it the other way around. They would say, we are the masters of our own destiny. We have made ourselves. We are the sheep of our pasture and we do what we want in it. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that's not for you. So that's the beautiful backdrop we've got there. What you want to get this morning is, you see, is that the covenant marriage is there to demonstrate the image of God. It's not about all those other issues that are outside of it. It's about the image of God. And that can only be demonstrated with a man and a woman. Because God designed it that way. Now, the fall destroys everything. When Satan caused Eve to disobey God with the lie that if she ate of the fruit, she would be like God. The fact was Adam and Eve were like God. They were like God. It was a lie. They couldn't be any more like God. Okay, come with me to Genesis 3, 8 to 13. We have to read this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I always want to start there, but I mustn't. And they hid from the Lord and among the trees of the garden, like you can hide from God. But the Lord called the man and said, where are you? Rhetorical. Who can hide from God's presence? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, hmm, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I command you not to eat? Then the man said, didn't answer the question, what did he do? He, here we see the start of all the issues in marriage. The woman you put here, if you know the text before that, when he saw a woman, when he God made woman, because he looked at the hippopotamus, he thought, man, I'm going to make that, right? I can't do it with that. But then he, when God made Eve, he was like, whoa, man. Yes, how Jamaican. <laughs> right? Whoa, man. When he saw Eve, he was, he was like, yes, this is bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. Man, he had to prophesy like a, a Pentecostal. Yeah? Yeah? That's what he said previously. But, after, but, but when things start to go wrong, look, watch that. The woman, the whoa woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit. 
some of the fruit from the tree. And I ate it. So you didn't check? No, I just ate it because it was good. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? Friends, if you understand the import of that, you remember what we talked about, how this fellowship between God, between man, between woman was just so sweet. That is pregnant with meaning. Because what Adam and did and Eve did destroyed what? Intimacy with God and each other because they start to hide from each other. Our enjoyment of the presence of God, they start to run from his presence. Our connection with God and with each other, our ability to love and have love and joy and peace, our ability to be God conscious instead of self conscious. We lost our authority to rule and have dominion, we passed it to Satan. Our ability, of course, to demonstrate the image of God. All that was lost in that one act of disobedience. So you need to understand something. You see, there's a war going on, and Satan's goal, this is his goal, to mar the image of God in us and rob God of his glory by robbing us of ours. You see, that's the plan. His plan is to, you see, Satan cannot bear to see the image of God in any one of us. So anything he can do through society, through culture, to mar it, to destroy it, to erase it, he's on it. And we're in a society out there that has been driven by an enemy whose goal is to destroy the image of God in every one of us, and particularly in the covenant marriage, he wants to erase it completely and mar it. You need to understand this. This is why Satan is focused on destroying the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 5, 31, 32, drawing from Genesis, cross-reference. For this reason, a man will leave his wife and his mother and be reunited to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. This is a double whammy for the enemy. Because you, if you are married, you are a picture of Christ and the church, but you're also there to bear the image of God. Now, it's one enough. He wants to destroy the image of God in you. But now, you've got Christ and his church, which again reminds him of who God is. He wants to destroy that too. Now, what is the antidote to the fall? We sung that song this morning, bless you, Pete. When I surveyed a wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. You see, God, he had a plan even in the garden when the enemy stole our, our inheritance, stole our authority, undermined our ability to, to demonstrate God's image. He looked down time and he looked for a man, couldn't find a man, looked for a nation, couldn't find a nation. Then he said, I'll come myself. And in the person of Jesus Christ, he nestles himself into the womb of a virgin. And he goes through life with the restraint of being a human being. As one hymn writer put it, God constricted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. And then, after 30 years in obscurity, he breaks onto the scene. And before he breaks onto the scene, you remember, he's now restricted himself 
And when he meets John the Baptist and they baptize him, here's an opportunity for the Trinity to get together because they've been together for a little while. So God the Father is there. God the, Son, the Holy Spirit's Son is there. God the Holy Spirit's there. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He affirms him. Because that's the mutuality and the complementarity that we have within the, unit, within the, the Trinity. And in that moment, they had to just break into time, space, world for a moment. Then, this Jesus, who knew no sin, becomes sin for you and I. He is beaten. He is rejected, even by his disciples. And then on a cross, on a hill outside the city wall, he is crucified. And the sins that were hostile to you and me are erased through his blood. Thank you, Jesus. But Jesus goes one step further. Colossians tells us that not only did he erase every certificate that was hostile to you and me, but he also made an open show of principalities and powers triumphing over them. And what that means is he went down into Hades and Satan was there. And he took back the keys. He said, thank you. And he took back the authority, which is this, and he set the captives free. And then, his plan now, as you give your life to him and you realize that your sin and your stuff has been put on him, he now begins to restore the image of God that was stolen in the garden, in us. And John puts it like this, 1 John 3, for this purpose was the Son of God appeared, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. And you see, what you need to understand is this, that now that you are a follower of Jesus, if you are married, what, well, you're not, because the image of God is in you. So, you know, singles don't tune out now. <laughs> the image of God is in you. But in the covenant of marriage, what God is doing is through the power of the cross, he is restoring everything that was stolen from you in the garden. Here's the story. So there's, instead of you as a husband and wife being at each other's throats, the sword, there's complementarity. You, you, you are different, but you complement one another. And as I read in one book, I think it was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's not in the bookstore. Right? He said that we are different, but we complement each other, and we celebrate the differences. Right? God designed it that way. So by the power of the cross and through the work of the Holy Spirit, God is working in the covenant of marriage to bring us back to the original design. You see, when you understand it like this, all those other arguments are irrelevant because it's always about the image of God. You see, one of the challenges we have with evangelicals is that we think that salvation is just about us, our individual salvation. No, 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 no. It's always about God's name and his character being made known in the earth through a people. Marriage is the same. It's, marriage is a, a, a microcosm of what the Trinity is like, and God's plan in that 
is that the image of God is demonstrated to the world through men and women as they work together in complementary with God. It's a tripartite relationship. God, man, woman working together. There's commitment, there's covenant, there's journey or communion. There's intimacy, there's transparency, there's vulnerability. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that is the one is going to help us to do this as we bring our stuff to the cross. And we will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Holy Spirit will show you the truth. He will show you the lies. And as you respond to God's truth, as you get rid of the stuff, so you begin to come into fellowship with the Father and thus you become into fellowship with each other. Yeah, I'm preaching this morning. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> 1 John 1 9 puts it like this. Oh, well, 5 to 9. This is how John puts it. He said, God is light, in him there is no darkness. If we say we have no sin, then we lie to ourselves that the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful, yes. But before he says that, he says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that's interesting. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He's the tripartite relationship. It's there in the scriptures. And it's, the more I get into this, the more I realize is this, the more that I, as a follower of Jesus, allow his cross to work in my life, the more as a follower of Jesus, I allow God to undo the works of darkness in me so I can be a better husband, so I can learn to be patient, I can learn to be kind, I can learn. Why? Because God is working in me, so I'm becoming a better person. Let us conclude. The redemptive work of the cross is not only to bring us back into relationship with God, but bringing men and women back into relationship with each other. So that the image of God can be demonstrated to the world through the covenant of marriage. Shall we stand? Can the band come up, please? You know, friends, marriage is God's idea. I hope this morning that you understand that this is about God's image. It's not about us. And his plan is through the work of the cross, that wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. The stuff that causes division and despair and hurt and woundedness is dealt with. So once again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to demonstrate through the covenant of marriage what life was like in the Trinity. But there's fellowship where we edify one another, where we bless one another, where we look for one another's good, where we learn to not look out for our own interests, but the interests of others. That's God's plan. And it's through the wonderful cross and through what Jesus has done that this can take place. So let's pray and then we'll worship. Father, we want to thank you this morning that you designed marriage as a picture of what it's like to be in the Trinity, to see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit working together 
to see the joy, to see the peace, to see the edification. And Lord, what you had, you didn't want to keep to yourself. You wanted to share it with us. So Lord, in your creative genius, you created man and woman so that in the covenant of marriage, we would demonstrate what you are like. And fathers, your people, we would commit ourselves, those of us who are in covenant relationship, to allowing you to work in us by the power of your spirit. Let your light shine so that darkness may be dispelled. Let your light shine so that where there is despair, where there is rejection, where there is hurt, there is pain, there may be healing in the name of Jesus. That where the enemy has brought a sword, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will bring us together in the name of Jesus. And the sword will be removed and there will be that mutuality, that fellowship, that comfort that comes from being of one heart and one mind. And Lord, we commit ourselves to the journey and thank you that you have made provision for us in your son, Jesus. So Lord, if we need grace and we need mercy this morning for the journey, we come and ask you, Lord, when we come boldly to your throne to receive grace and mercy for our time of need, that our marriages may demonstrate who you are like to the world that we live in. Jesus' name. Amen.